Hallelujah. Thank you very much, everybody. Richard, could you do, do that again next week? Okay. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Welcome in Jesus' name. Everybody say visa. visa. Everybody say visa. visa. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That was a long wait. And I thank you very, very much for your prayers. And especially Sue, which was an incredibly uh, long time. It was six months. We made some mistakes in the initial application, if, if you remember. And she, she was sent back, had to go back. And then all this time has gone by. The, the, the visa situations are different in every country. Very different. So, last week, uh, at the end of the service, we had three different discussion groups. Remember? Mm. Worship was here. Children was there. And I was here. And I just said, anybody who would like to go to Bible college or would like to do something like that, study something, go and do further education in Christian terms, come to this group, you know. And I haven't done that for years. And I want to talk this morning about what happened in that group. I mean, if you were in that, was that, was that interesting? Or what? We went on for over an hour, and we hardly scratched the surface. But it, it, I, I mean, I've been thinking about it all week. All the information I got about the visa was wrong. Even the immigration man at the airport who came out of the immigration building saw me looking worried. He had compassion on me and said, are you okay? I said, no, my wife's in detention. And even what he gave me was wrong. Okay? And I want to draw a comparison here with Bible colleges, Bible college or further studies for you because I, it, it's my belief that probably most of what you believe is wrong. Okay? Most of what you've been told in terms of what Bible college is or what ministry is, we, we believe in the priesthood of all believers. Okay? There, there isn't a qualification on this planet. Pat, could you go to the back, please, and deal with it at the back? There isn't a qualification. Eyes forward. Stay with me. There is not a qualification on this planet that you need to get that's stopping you. You hear me? You don't need a qualification. That's not, the Bible doesn't say a, a man's qualifications make room for him. What does it say? A man's gift, not his qualifications. Not his qualifications. It's the gift. That's the biblical root. But even as a young man, as a young child, my brother was a priest. And my, my family were very religious. And I remember my mother saying, um, w would you ever consider being a, a, a priest or a brother? And my immediate answer, sorry, but my immediate answer was, I'm not smart enough. I'm not intelligent enough. Because my brothers and sisters were like smart cookies. So I said, I'm not smart enough for that. My immediate thought was that I needed some qualification for me to serve the Lord. Or I needed a title. Or I needed ordination. You need none of these things. Amen. You need none of these things. Am I saying they're not important? No. No, because I've got qualifications. I've been ordained. I've been through. I'm not saying they're not important. But what I'm saying is, many of you, not just in this church, but around the world, are held back for things that God is not holding you back, friend. God is not holding you back. And I would propose to you, that if maybe everything you heard is not wrong, but most of what you've probably heard 
is not wrong, like with my visa situation. <coughs> I call today's message full service. If you're going to go on a journey with your car, you want to get a full service because you want that thing to finish the journey, to finish the, the, the road, the distance. And I want to give you, if you like, a full service today and prepare you, I hope, like we did in that group last week, prepare you for your future. So last week, I repeat, we all gathered, but 10 of us in a circle, people who wanted to go to Bible college. So this is where I started. Um, in fact, let me start on the second page. People use Bible college like a general term. They just got one idea in the mind. All Bible colleges are the same. No, sir. Not at all. There's theological colleges where you're going to go and study Greek and Hebrew. Now, do you need to study Greek and Hebrew? I'm not going to go and study Greek and Hebrew, okay? Easter camp, the ladies coming there speaks Hebrew. There's theological college, but not many people need to go to theological college. Half the world go and do qualifications that they never use. True or false? True. Five years, seven years out of your life and you never even use the thing. So why go and study Greek and Hebrew if you're not going to be teaching that? So not all Bible colleges are the same. There's theological colleges. There's denominational colleges like the Baptist church. And you'll spend four years, it is, with the Baptists. You'll spend four years just learning their theology. And then you will be a proponent of that. There's ministry colleges, which focus on, say, worship or something like that. There's missions colleges, and we're one of those. VFC is a missions college. At Chem, it's called. It's in Singapore, where I studied. There's pastoral colleges. There's counseling colleges. So when someone comes up to me generally and they say... <clears throat> I want to go to Bible college, normally my face goes blank. And they think, oh, Pastor Mike doesn't think that's a good idea. No, my mind is going into overdrive thinking, what do you mean? When you say that, and I'm looking at you, and I'm studying you, and I'm thinking about how I know you, your abilities, your giftings, and I'm running through this list and many others in my head, thinking this is a person who wants to advance their lives, but what I said to the group last week is, I don't want to talk to you about any Bible college. We need to start in one place. Watch your gift. That's the only place to start. But people don't know where to begin, but I'm telling you, friends, the college you go to needs to be gift appropriate. What's the point in studying worship or missing, uh, missiology if that's not what you're going to do? So the beginning place, when you got saved, the Bible says Christ arose on high and gave gifts to men. And there's your starting point. Find your gift. And that should be agreed with the church, with your leaders, with your prophetic spirit. You should be able to do that. I want to focus on something here. This is your part. Okay? No man is an island. Any islands here? No man is an island. This is your part. But... To operate in your gifting, you need a location and you need a church and you need a pastor. Hello. This is the church's part. Very important. Many people find this, but they're in the wrong place. You're in the wrong place. And so the gift even, and what a frustrating way to be. Imagine being here every Sunday and you've got your gift, but you've actually never sacrificed for your location. Pastor Rick rang me years ago. He wanted me to oversee churches. In Ireland, it was at the time. 
And my son was going to do his A-levels, and he'd already started, I think. He was just finished. So Rick said to me, I recognize your gifting. That's my part. But I'm your overseer, so I'm putting you into the location. You get that? <laughs> Very important. Most people miss their calling because of the location's wrong. So I said, Rick, I'll do it, but you need to let me finish with my son's education, which is one and a half years. He said, we agree, we agree, and that's what I did. So finished the education, and then I went to the location, and boom. So most of you, forgive me, <laughs> disrespect this one. You don't think it's important. You think, I'll just get my gift, and I'll operate. No, you won't. Look at the scriptures. God spoke to Elijah, I have ordered the ravens to provide for you there, not here. So Elijah had to go to the Cherith Ravine, and if he had stayed there with his gift, because he was a prophet, he would have starved to death. I've ordered, the, in the midst of a famine, I've ordered you to be fed there. So the location is critical. I find my gift, that's the starting place. I need to operate within a church and with people I can work with. People I understand. And then the, 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 the last point, which I've mentioned before a few months back, mentorship is very different from pastoring. Pastor Evelyn here is a life coach, professional training at the moment in that. This also for me is a huge issue. If you think the pastor in any church can provide your needs, you're, you're crazy. No, no pastor can do that. Think of the needs in this room. Nobody can do that. So the pastor can do what he does. But for you, think of your gift. You need to get a mentor in that. And that's probably not me, right? It could be someone else. I wholeheartedly encourage you to seek mentorship. I put an advert on the leaders group this week about John Glass. He's a very significant figure in the UK. But I spent some time with him. I traveled up to Birmingham and spent a day with him. Just for this reason here, because he's 70 years old. He has immense experience in the kingdom. And I just wanted to glean his wisdom. And that's a very valuable time for me. I value mentorship. So I want you to understand that. What am I saying today? I was pleased but also disturbed that there's so many people in that group last week who wanted to advance their lives but didn't quite know how. They were allowing things to block them that they shouldn't. They were starting in the wrong place, and you can stay like that for 20 years. And just getting this little list in your head, what's your gifting? Don't answer me. What is your gifting? And if you don't know that, know that you know that you know that you know, know that you, this is who I am. This is what I was born to do. This is it. Imagine missing that. Friend, imagine missing that. You can miss many things and it's not important, but don't miss the one thing that Christ sculpted you for. Hello. Isn't that right? Don't miss that one thing. I repeat, Serena Williams, wonderful interview when she won Wimbledon, whatever, and she had the racket in her hand and she didn't have time to think and they stuck the camera in her face. What have you got to say? And she had the, the racket and she said, I was born to do this. Hallelujah. You were born to do something. But statistically, sorry, it's very sad. 85% of Christians never find it. Maybe they found their gift. But they will not make the sacrifice to move to another location. They won't do it. Oh, my kids are in school. Yeah, I had to work around that. 
I got a mortgage. Get rid of the mortgage. Sell the house. If you are serious about what you're doing, and I've had to do that multiple times. If you are serious, God will dictate the location. This is your gift. This is your calling. And you'll start to, to, to move. I do not regret my decisions in this area, friend. I do not regret my decisions. But I'm saddened by those around me. Saddened by the churches you visit. And you know people have got giftings. But they're not quite getting it um, in terms of how to connect with God. <coughs> For me, the Bible's best example is this wonderful man, Nehemiah. And you know the story of Nehemiah? Nehemiah, in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1, do you know what it says? Uh, he, it's Nehemiah talking and he says, I was in the citadel of Susa. And do you know what he's saying? I was at work. That was his job. He was working in the palace. Nehemiah doesn't have a calling. Nehemiah, I don't know if he knows his gifting yet. All we know is, he says, it was Monday morning, like you tomorrow morning perhaps. And an ordinary guy, Nehemiah says, Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 1. I was in the king's palace in the citadel. That was his job, a bit like Buckingham Palace. Not well paid in Buckingham Palace, by the way. Notoriously, those who work in palaces are not well paid. So Nehemiah is not a rich guy. He's just a servant in the king's household. And he's at work. Like you. Amazing, isn't it? Very natural. Natural thing to have a job. Nothing wrong with that. And then, Nehemiah 1, someone comes and says, Nehemiah, the walls of Jerusalem have been broken down. Remember? And suddenly, passion and compassion is stirred within him. So he's in work. He hears a prophecy or he hears a, 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 a message that the wall of Jerusalem has been destroyed. And suddenly something awakens in him. Shabani here. Shabani watches the news every day like anybody else. She saw the earthquake in Japan. She never came to me to ask for prayer for that. She saw this. She saw that she never said a word about East Timor. Never mentions what happens in Venezuela. But when she saw Cambodia. Huh? When she saw Cambodia, something came alive. And there's something that God has for you. I'll tell you this about Nehemiah. He was open. He was open. He was willing. He was ready. And so the word, the passion stirred within him. And you need to find that. You need to sacrifice and be open and willing. A.W. Tozer said this. God tells the man who cares. It's a good title for a book. It is a book. God tells the man who cares. And I believe that Nehemiah cared. I believe you do care, Shivani. And many of you care about your, the, the things you're passionate about. So here he is, is in work. He gets a word when he's in work and he can't leave work. Right? So he goes to the boss. Oh dear king. And the king says, why are you so sad? And he makes an agreement with his boss. But look at this next one. In Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 11, he says this. I told no one. God gave me a calling. God gave me the, the direction. And what do you do? Yeah. Facebook? No. I told no one 
What my plans were, I kept the whole thing totally secret. Amazing. Many times you're going to see this in scripture. Many times you're going to see silence preceding great victory. Hello? We blab, blab, blab. I've had this experience. I know exactly what silence is. Once I remember something was about to happen and I, my wife was asking me, what, what, you know, what, what? And I was, I was like, who was it lost his voice when the baby wasn't born? I, I couldn't speak. Don't, I couldn't speak. And she was looking at me, Zechariah, just tell me what it is. And I'm, it's like a mime, you know. Tell me what it is. And I, I can't say it. I can't say it. The Apostle Paul said, there's some things I'm not permitted to tell. Right? And normally it means there's something very significant ahead. I need you to prepare yourself for silence. Okay? You won't be permanently silent. It doesn't stay that way. But it does in many, in many cases in Scripture, which we'll maybe look at sometime. So he's in work. He's a normal guy in a natural life. Suddenly a passion he finds within himself for something. Could be worship for you guys. Could be business. Could be anything. But a passion is stirred. His strategy is silence. And then by Nehemiah chapter 6, the people turned to him and said, you couldn't have done this if God was not with you. Supernatural. So here's an ordinary guy in the office, 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, And just because of simple steps, he's moved from a natural guy to a very supernatural guy. Finished the wall, by the way, in 54 days, which that's why they marveled at it. They couldn't believe what he was able to achieve. God will do for you what he did for him. God will do for you what he did for him. No respecter of persons. Just looking for me to open up my heart to get myself ready, to make myself like the Apostle John, underneath that light, to be in a place to receive. So of the seven or eight people last week in this group, every one of them, except one, have gone and this week have contacted counseling courses, Bible colleges, and various things that I linked them with this week. There was one person... (laughs) Who didn't? And I want to make a, I, I, I want to give an example here. And it was Michael here. And you know why? Because he's already qualified. He's very highly qualified in terms of apologetics and evangelism. And the more you go up that tree, if you like, the harder it is for him. And as Richard was saying, many people are very experienced in this church. And it does become more awkward, it becomes more difficult. So I sent him some stuff this week. What's this like and what's that like? But for those of you who have had lots of experience like him, we were talking this morning, maybe try another, another discipline. Something different, something new, right? So you've done your apologetics and very well. Think, step aside from presuming that I'm going to continue in just this thing and think pastoral studies? What? What should I do that would help me be more of the person that God has created me to be. And it, like in your situation, which I've been in, I'd like a blank sheet and no presumption. For the others who were in the group, they had no 
beginnings. They didn't have any basic qualifications. So for them, it's a lot easier. But for you, it's not. But we'll get there. Amen. On your notes here, I've given you seven simple steps for you to take and to remember as you go forward from this day. (coughs) Number one, my advice is never decide your own destiny. Never decide your own destiny. Let God guide you in that. You may be passionate about some things that are just natural things. Eyes forward. I can't believe the wonder of Jesus Christ. He was born to die. And he knew he would be crucified. It's like when you go to the the dentist and you're sitting in the chair. I just want to get in there and, you know, just do it. Do it. Pull it out. You know, I just want to get on with it. And Jesus said one day, I've got a baptism to undergo. And how vexed I am, how painful it is for me until I get it done. The son of God on a cross. I just want to get this done. It's his ministry, Cambodia. It's his passion. It's his drive. This is what I was born for. But keep listening. Then when he's in Gethsemane, He takes his ministry and he lifts it up to the Father, the cup. And he says, Father, if this cup can pass, I worship you. I'm not here for this. This is not God. My ministry is not God. If this can pass, let it pass. But if it can't, I'll still do it. My connection is with my connection is with the Father. And that, for me, is an incredibly important point. Point one, never decide your own destiny. Let God do that for you. So Jesus, can you imagine that? Went to the Garden of Gethsemane. He didn't chase the cross. He didn't go and find the soldiers. The soldiers came and found him. Did you get that? (laughs) He didn't chase his ministry. The soldiers came As he was in prayer, they found him and they took him. He didn't pursue his own destiny as such. He discovered it. And you can too. You can discover what God has birthed you for and made you for. Secondly, I would encourage you to be uniquely you. There's only one you. Some people say hallelujah. There's only one you, right? There's only one version of you. And I've I've shared this before, but it is an important point. Do you know how many, Bob Dylan just died, didn't he? Do you know how many records Bob Dylan sold? Over 100 million. And he couldn't sing. He couldn't sing. Dylan couldn't sing. But do you know what he was doing? He was being his authentic self. He was being him. Many singers like that on X Factor and they win, don't they? Not because maybe they've got the best voice but because they're in touch with their inner self. They're expressing something. Who sent that video this week about uh, Henrietta, I think? All creation recognizes authenticity. We're programmed for it. I can hear when someone's singing with passion, right? You can hear it. My sheep hear my... You can hear it. You can hear it. Nature recognizes authenticity, but authenticity is when I am being my unique self. 
I admire Atanasio and Sarah. They, they had a coffee shop there recently. Very difficult business to be in. But I really encourage you, keep on going. Keep on trying. But I was thinking about the whole experience that you've been through in, in being courageous and starting business and pushing ahead. Don't, don't stop. But I would want to be more unique. I'd be one of people want the thing that only you can do. Only you can do it. I go there because. What's the because? I go to this place because this is what I get, which is totally, I can't get it anywhere else. I live in Bloomsbury, and I have lost count of the number of businesses and shops, restaurants, that have opened and closed. They last about four months, and they're gone. And the money, the investment, the places are beautiful, and then... You know, naturally, just halfway up is closed. And it's only been there about four months. I went in there because not unique enough, obviously. Not unique enough. Where I live, this big place, but the size of this building, making Japanese pancakes. Yeah, fluffy things, Japanese pancakes. So I look at the store and I think, this will never last, you know. So I go in and they don't have a menu. And they've got this tiny little board. Why do you give a menu up? And they do about four things. So I thought, these guys have got no chance. Week one, week two, you can't get a seat. Day after day, week after week, that place is buzzing with their tiny little list of four things that nobody else does. Nobody else is doing. I went in for curiosity. I thought it was terrible. They were awful. It's so plain. But it doesn't matter whether I like it, does it? It doesn't matter whether I like it. That's not what it's about. Business is definitely not, you don't even have to like your own coffee. The, the, the important thing is, does it sell? In terms of business, I mean. Does this thing sell? It doesn't matter if people like you. Right? You're called to be you. And the you expressing yourself... <laughs> may not be everybody's cup of tea. Right? Listen carefully to me. If you sacrifice, you, you have just sold out the biggest mistake of your life because the world wants to hear from you, not a copy of someone else. And what was it? James Arthur. Wonderful. Remember James Arthur, one X factor. Wonderful, authentic expression of self. Not a copy of someone else. And you are 100% unique. Stop caring about who likes you and who doesn't like you. Stop caring about whether people want what I'm selling or not, if you know what I mean. And start focusing on the unique aspect of you. Hello. You're, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And if only you could find that part in yourself. Do you know I was just about to preach. Forgive me. You know me well enough by now. I don't need your approval. <coughs> I, I, uh, Saberna. Let's say Saberna puts a, records a song, right? And he puts it on Facebook. When people, you got my phone? <laughs> okay, no problem. When, when people scroll, <clears throat> that's called a view. 
It's called a three-second view, okay? But it doesn't mean anything. They're not listening to the song. It's called a three-second view. So don't be deceived by views. It says one million views means nothing. Behind that, on Facebook, I'm not talking about YouTube, on Facebook. Behind that, if you're the administrator, you can go behind the scenes. And there's another set of numbers, which is called throughplay. And that's the actual number of the people who touched, download, it takes 15 seconds. Once they press your podcast and they download it, then it actually counts as a view. Okay? So I'm currently, at this moment, on my Facebook page, I'm getting downloaded around 3,000 times a day, 100,000 times a month, with incredible regularity. It's the same people. It's the same crowd. It's so, so repetitive. Now, I'm telling you this for a reason. Listen carefully, because I want you to get confidence in who you are. I was at a large conference, and I'm standing over off stage, and I'm just being waiting to be called up. This witness standing here, and the announcer's there, <clears throat> and this woman comes walking down. I thought she's coming to me, you know, I'm just waiting to preach her. And she, hello, hello. And she says, can I talk to you? I said, yes, yes. And she says, I just wanted to say, I get absolutely nothing out of your preaching. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. What? Praise the Lord. I know other people do. I know other people do. I get nothing from you. I thought, have a nice day. Ushers, throw this woman. Oh, no, I'm going to I thought, that, and I thought, that is the, why on earth, why on earth would you come up to someone and say that? What is the meaning in this? So I just got on. Now, I'm making a point. Listen carefully. What effect do you think it had on me? Nothing! Nothing! Absolutely nothing! Because I'm not doing what I'm doing for you. I don't need everybody to like it. Okay? When you, you know, if you stop doing what you're doing, you're doing it to please people. If you stop doing what you're doing, then what you're doing has got nothing to do with God. You're actually a people pleaser. Once you start finding the real thing, it's not going to be based on approval of people. It's not even going to be on your mind. Find your authentic self. Be uniquely you. And I'll tell you this, friends. I've had my doubts about this over the years, but then I finally figured out what I think is the correct way of seeing it. You heard, I heard people saying, you read it in the scripture, <coughs> when God opens a door, no man can shut it. Amen. Yeah, but I, didn't, I don't get that. You know? And so when you hear something like that and your spirit doesn't settle, it means I'm not getting it right. Because I don't believe that's, I don't take that at face value. And when you think about it for long enough, you realize, ah, I got it. What it's saying is this, just an expansion of what it means. When God opens a door, no man can shut it. God won't shut it because the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. But the, do you know the part I was missing? You don't go through it. The, the only person on this planet who can screw up a door that God opens is you. You yourself. The angels in heaven can't shut it. The devils in hell can't shut it. 
God won't shut it. But I'm sorry, folks. The one person, I can hear Rick Seward in my ear right now, because this was a major point of his. Men, just because you've had a prophetic word does not mean it's going to come to pass. Because you may not fulfill it. So God may have opened doors before you, but then you can become lackadaisical and think you've got nothing to do. And it's not true. You can be your greatest enemy. You can be the one that stops that. So I repeat, God, when God opens a door, no man can shut it, I agree. But the wisdom part of that statement is realizing, I myself, the greatest example for me was at Glasgow, I told you when my wife had died and <coughs> God said, buy this apartment, I had no money, blah, 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 I got a miracle. <coughs> and when I rang that estate agent, three or four weeks later, you remember the story. It's okay, Edgar. I've got, I've got water. I'm okay. Thank you very much. I, I rang the estate agent. Remember the story? I, because God told me to buy this. And what God has for you, no one can take from you. So it's like seven or eight weeks. And I do the phone call. And I said, I'm inquiring about the apartment. And I remember the attitude in the woman's voice. Oh, this apartment. Five times. Five times I've sold this. And I, you know in my head, it's mine. <laughs> It's mine. And the word that I heard is true. And you can have 50 people will come, but that thing will still be there for you. Amen. Amen. What God has for you, no one can take from you. Amen. What A door that God opens, no devil can shut, no angel can shut. But the problem is me. <laughs> Am I willing to go through it? Point number three. <clears throat> Am I willing to go through the preparation necessary to bring me into that? <clears throat> I believe in preparation. Pastor Timothy, I would be embarrassed to tell you the amount of preparation I did for Nepal. I sent you a photo, didn't I? And she sent me <laughs> of my, my floor in my apartment, which is not very big, but in I, it's these sermons here. Just... Three days preaching, and I had, I had the entire apartment was covered in messages, and I'm standing in the midst of it because I take it seriously. You've been doing this for years. You don't need preparation. You're in trouble when you start thinking like that. You're in big trouble when you start thinking like that. And then when we went there, I'm in my, I'm, I'm up before you're up. I'm praying because it's a different role. And I'm because I believe in preparation. Jesus Christ spent 30 years in preparation and three years in ministry. You, today, the Bible College is three years in preparation and 30 years in ministry. Uh oh. <laughs> Jesus, 30 years in preparation, three years in ministry. Joseph, 14 years in a prison cell. Moses, 40 years, 40 years, and 40 years. That's a lot of 40 years. All of this in preparation, but I believe we despise this today. We don't believe in it. Like LIW's there, and you don't respect the need for it. I believe in preparation. I'll go as far as this. There we go. Maybe we're prophesying now. <laughs> if you will prepare. If you will prepare yourself, I'll come get you. Like he did with Jesus. Like they went, the soldiers came in Gethsemane. If you will do your part, I'll see it. 
and I'll come for you. I won't forget you. Preparation. Don't despise it. Number four, if I'm going to proceed in ministry and advance in ministry, I have to take responsibility for my habits. You are today the, the product of your habits. Okay, your habits have made you the person you are. That's who you are. And your toleration of those has, you know, limited or excelled you. Your mental habits, maybe you're negative. Thank God this church is far from negative. It's very positive. But some people can get very negative. Maybe your physical welfare, you need to look after your health. I mentioned Deshaun, my good friend. He's, but Rick told him many times, because he's collapsed twice in the last three years with a heart stint in his heart. They opened him up. Rick used to say, Deshaun, you need to look after your physical health. Quit eating junk. He's sitting there with Coke all day. He is in the RMD meeting eating chocolate. And then Rick makes the same mistake. Sleep. You need to go to sleep. You're not getting enough. You need to sleep. If you're going to drive a car through Brazil, you're going to fall asleep. Look after your physical self. It's important for me. Mental health, I need to acknowledge it. My physical health, my social, how am I socially, how am I interacting? Have I got bad habits or good habits? My emotional self and my spiritual self, like Richard said, take an inventory. Take an inventory of where am I? How am I today? How's my mental health? How's my physical well-being? Am I letting that slip? How am I socially interacting with people? How's my emotional radar and spiritual progression. I don't think it's possible to move forward without these checks and balances, without this service. Fifthly, I would say, you've got to be willing to take a chance. He who dares, he who dares wins. And faith is really stepping out of the boat. Faith is, is doing something maybe other people won't do. But you do it. Take that chance. Take a step. And I, do you know what? I don't care if I mess it up. I don't care if it doesn't work. Right? Have another go. Go back a second time and try again. But at least try. My spelling is fantastic, isn't it? Aren't I good at spelling? I was looking at the way I wrote authenticity on this. No one has ever written authenticity the way I have written it here. This is a unique only me spelling for the word authenticity. Hallelujah. I will not be limited by the fact that I can't spell. Okay? Bob Dylan wasn't limited because he couldn't say. I've never been able to spell. I'm not dyslexic, but I can't spell. But I'll not be limited by that. Okay? Not be limited by it. And whatever God gives me to do, he will provide me with the people and friends that I need to achieve that goal. Like with Elijah and Elisha, right? Give him a friend, someone to be with him. Always two by two, never on your own. Whatever task God calls you to do, he will provide for you the people who will open the doors to do it. Okay? The location is important. So whatever is in your heart, don't be afraid. Oscar Wilde, 
Nobel Prize winner for literature, famously couldn't spell. Couldn't spell anything. Didn't care. So be careful of putting limitations on yourself and make room for the supernatural, huh? Amen. Number six, not everybody is going to get it. Okay, not everybody's going to buy Japanese pancakes, right? I probably never buy one again. But that doesn't matter, does it? As long as there's some people coming to buy it. And whoever you are, don't ever, ever, ever be limited by people's rejection of who you are or your style or your way or your particular unique self. I say that because when Nehemiah started to build the wall, there's two guys, what were their names? Sambalat and Tobiah. And they started following him, that's you, everywhere he went saying, you shouldn't build this wall, you shouldn't build this wall, you shouldn't build this wall. But Nehemiah had an inner strength. He didn't need that vote. Not everybody is going to get who you are. Not everybody is going to accept or even endorse who you are. They may even be negative as they were with Nehemiah. <coughs> and seventhly, and probably most importantly, the most and greatest partner that I have is the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let me talk to the worship team one moment. We have worship practice here on Saturdays. And when you, when you do church planting, if you start a new church, right? So the members will come and they'll come for worship practice. And you know why they come for worship practice in the beginning? Because they're humble. And they're not confident. They've got no self-confidence. Oh, when's the worship practice? Let me come. Let, let, me, let me just practice. Oh, God, help me. God, help me. I need to play the keyboard. Are we doing a solo? When can we practice? When can we? How do we, you know, when's the practice? When's the practice? When's the practice? And for the first year, two years, when's the practice? And many people start out in the spirit. Humble and receiving. And then after about three years, don't call me about practice. I can play this now. I can sing now. I don't need the practice anymore. Good or bad? Real, real, real bad. Real, real bad. I know in London it's difficult. But for me, one of the hallmarks of a spirit ministry. Remember, guys, please. If you play the keyboard, it's not the key, you, you, you're not, you're, it's not the notes you're playing. If you sing and you're putting vocals into this mic, you are not ministering words. You're ministering your spirit. You minister to, right now, you are under my spirit. Jesus said, these words I speak to you, they are You're receiving from someone's spirit. So you need to understand that for your time of preparation. And respect the fact that you give God that moment with just you and him to do your rehearsal. And in spiritual preparation, you then come on Sunday and you deliver to all Amen. the people here in, from your spirit in the spirit. Amen? So please, it, it goes back to the beginning uh, Having a healthy respect for preparation. 
I'm done. Thank God I didn't cough too much. Praise the Lord. So back to my little group last week. Eight people, seven of which are active, and we're in conversation. But look at all you. What has God called you to do? And what you can talk to me, you can talk to Evelyn about the steps that you could possibly take for moving your life forward. But this has been on my heart all week. If I prepare myself, God will use me. If I prepare myself, God will use me. Stand to your feet, please. I invite the worship team back. <coughs> Pastor Richard could help us. Thank you. Jesus. Church, we've, we've had the heart of God this morning. And I just want to give you some few minutes just to reflect on it. I'm sure there's one, two, if not all seven, that spoke to you. For me, there are two things that resonated with me and one is take a chance and the other one is not everybody's going to get it be uniquely you in God what touched your heart this morning you know before the service has asked how are you I'm pretty sure you've got some answers in the next few minutes I want you to just talk to God When a door is open and it remains open, it's only you who can walk in it. The Bible doesn't say God will open a door and he will drag you through it. He says the door that God opened, no one can shut it. But as we've learned this morning, if you fail or if you choose not to walk in it, the door being open means nothing. In the name of Jesus. Father, this morning we want to thank you for your word. The Bible makes us understand that the entrance of your word, it brings wisdom. It brings direction. Father, we pray that this truth that we have heard this morning will stay with us. That throughout this week you give us the strength, the courage to practice it. Spirit of God, the Bible says that you remind us of all truth. We pray that this week you remind us this truth when we, our life encounters issues and situations. Give us the strength and the ability to remember in the name of Jesus. The Bible says you have given to us all things that pertains to life and godliness. We pray that God this week you will be with us. You will order our steps. You will open the eyes of our understanding. Grant us the courage and the boldness to be who you have called us to be. We pray this week that your favor will rest upon us. 
You are God that knows all things. We pray that you will strengthen us. We pray that you will grant us what it takes to bring glory to your name. I pray that your blessings and your countenance will overshadow us this week. You will send favor. Destiny help us our way. That your name will be glorified through our act. That people will see your glory through who we are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. And as, as we live here, there's one thing the Spirit of God is impressing upon my heart. That we need to lay down our old flame. Remember the message, we, the song we sang? Yes. Lay down the old flame and take the new wine today. Take the Amen. new frame today. Amen. 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 Please, um, before the worship team sing, please, can you, can you please take our seat for